Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Ovation Show, where we're discussing the healthcare crisis in America. We're bringing partners, colleagues, clients, and business owners together to discuss solutions and innovations that are bringing a higher quality of care to employees while reducing their out-of-pocket costs. We're also reducing the employer costs and giving them more transparency and control. Today, we're live in the Work Innovator studio, where Work Innovators is amplifying the voice of business. Today, we're going to discuss innovation in the healthcare space around spine and joint health. And with that, I bring in uh, Scott LaRoque. He is a CEO and founder of Empower Health. Thanks for coming in, Scott. Dan, thanks for having me. I said LaRoque. Is it LaRoque or LaRock? LaRoque. Okay, I did say it right first time. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for driving up from uh, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about you, because I know you went to University of Texas, degree in biology. Kind of tell a little about. Yeah, so I grew up, uh, my, my mom was a, a nurse. My father was a pharmacist. And so I grew up in and around healthcare. Uh, was lucky enough to attend the University of Texas and really had a focus and a passion for healthcare and and people helping people improve their their condition. So when you got your degree in biology, what did you really think you wanted to do? I mean, was there a direction? I, I thought I wanted to be a physician. I ended up uh, going down a, a path of doing drug discovery and and working in research and genetics and. That pathway was extremely interesting. It, it taught me about how to do research and how to push the frontiers of medicine forward. But where that that pathway fell short was I was interacting in a lab and, and not directly with people. So my transition from there was, was doing research in and around uh, the nervous system, identifying different devices that could change the, um, the change body output, change body physiology. And so... Uh, some of the areas that did initial research on were spinal cord stimulators, artificial cochlear ear implants, retinal implants. And that pathway led me to do research in deep brain stimulation, which is a treatment for Parkinson's disease. People would uh, develop tremors um, or movement disorders, and there was a way to use electricity to change how that functioned in the brain. Uh, that introduced me to a new career field called neurophysiology and neurophysiology w was very new in the, the at the beginning of this century ended up learning uh that craft and expanding a across the country in that field. And we now cover about 50,000 surgical procedures in the operating room, have at least one person in the operating room in over 50,000 surgical procedures today. 
So yeah, so that that started you, I guess, going in that path of neurophysiology and so on, brought you to create Empower Health, right? And back in I think '09, roughly. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, briefly describe what is Empower Health, because I've been when I met Jessica, I mean that was she she described it, and it was like this fits perfectly in the next gen benefit strategies and the self employed or uh, the self insured uh, employers that we're dealing with. So, talk a little bit about Empower Health and what sure. you guys do. So Empower Health is, has really been a, a company that's focused on identifying where there is friction in the marketplace and helping to solve that. So our, our first place in doing that was bringing quality to the operating room and, and bringing um, structured data to the operating room. And from there, we really looked on how we can expand upon that, that data-centric approach more pre-operatively and post-operatively within that care paradigm. And then also using that data to help cre create more predictability around pricing. So predictability and pricing, you're more of a, so you're more of a data center and connecting all the pieces. You're not actually the provider doing the surgeries, doing the, this. So we actually provide some of the care in the operating room, but we've used that data that data structure and our relationships with all of the different care providers in a given surgery or in the entire musculoskeletal continuum uh, to bring those groups in and to structure them as members of the network. And then using a framework of technology to make sure that we're treating the right patients in the, the right setting and, and uh, treating the, the right condition at that right time. So, so you have a network and then you really focus on that joint spine because that's just where your kind of passion was and that's yeah. where it felt. Because we do know that I know there's other services that right. provide those, but they could be all different types of surgeries where we're using one right now for a gallbladder surgery. Yeah. But you focus primarily on the spine and joint. We really have focused in MSK. We have deep-seated relationships. We have a lot of structured quality data around the physicians, not only in our network, but outside of our network. So we're able to benchmark and understand the quality of the doctors that we're recruiting into the network. But I think MSK has been a, a, um, a, a point in time in acute care delivery service. And we're really looking to structure that to take care of bone and joint health and to use two concepts of virtual clinic and care management technologies to help create a better patient experience to give patients better access to care in their homes uh, and to reduce the overall cost structure uh, of caring for those patients. So by putting together virtual care with care management and the ability to refer those patients downstream to known high quality providers allows us to um, impact the cost curve early on in the model by reducing the number of patients that go to surgery. And when surgeries are needed in a certain percentage of the population, we're able to provide predictable pricing through that sleeve as well by creating a, a using the, the data that we have to project a, 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 um, a proactive pricing methodology. So you hit on two really important keys that we talk about all the time in the next gen strategies that we do is um, pricing, you know, transparency, control, and really reasonable pricing, yeah. um, and then the quality of care. So let's go back, let's focus on pricing to start with. Um, you know, first we see 
300, 400% Medicare. We see networks charging a lot. We see out of network, we were talking about it earlier, somebody charging, you know, 54,000 for a $15,000 procedure. How do you, how do you control pricing? How do you base your pricing? So we've enrolled physicians and, and knowing where their contracts and what they're doing work for today has helped us frame a benchmark rate that we incentivize the physician with an amount that is better than a commercial rate, but maybe not as high as what you're experiencing. Because we're contracting with independent providers, we feel like we're not only achieving the best quality through that physician mix, but we're also uh, um, pairing up with some of the lowest cost providers in the marketplace because they aren't tied through large health systems or through uh, aggregated aggressive contractual negotiations, we're actually creating a, a team of low-cost providers that are willing to put their pricing out there in advance. And we're able to use data analytics to compile the, the surgeon, the operating room or the facility, the anesthesiologist, the neuromonitoring, the physician assistant, and any downstream physical therapy into a single price where those providers are each joining together to, to take on the, the risk of that prospective price bundle. I love that. That's what we saw with like Oklahoma Sur uh, Surgery Center was one of the first ones to do that, that bundle pricing. In fact, we just did that the other day with somebody with gallbladder surgery. We look it up, we know that, hey, the cost is $7,500 all in. Yeah. And being able to have that predictability and transparency is fantastic. So talk a little about the network. So I think on your website you say, or in LinkedIn, it talks about 400 plus physicians in the network. How do you find those physicians? I mean, you mentioned the quality of care. Um, one of the things I think about, and we'll get into quality of care, is you said you know lower cost physicians and providers. Yeah. And a lot of times we think, well, lower cost means lower quality. So talk a little bit about the network, how you create it, how you find them, and then how do you really rate the quality of those providers? Sure. Uh, so... In finding the network, I think our business has grown organically by providing great service in the operating room. And we form partnerships with these physicians through supporting them in the operating room. And we become a trusted member of their team. And I think through that partnership, we continue to uh, be nimble, proactive, and bring solutions to those providers that enable them to advance into the next stage of healthcare. So. The clinically integrated network helps them with contracting strategies. It helps them engage in value-based structures and creates a feedback loop of collecting data on a, a care plan, understanding how that impacts that patient population, and then being able to revise that care plan to optimize the care over that population. So it's the overall feedback loop, the ability to collect data in real time and circulate that back and, and provide um, provide patient reported outcomes back to the physician so that they understand how to improve that care over time. Are you integrating anything like Quantros or anything in your scoring as well? We do have Quantros as a component okay. of uh, our scoring system. We also have uh, a, a de novo categories that that we're able to collect from the operating room that speak to objective measurements on surgical skill. Uh, and then beyond that, collecting our own outcomes and patient reported outcomes data. And all of that comes together to give us a very robust picture of partners that we're willing to take risk with. 
So I know that, you know, you guys talk about, you have the physicians, you 300 facilities in 24 states. And you've, you said already, you've or said that, you know, you've helped over 55,000 patients, which is fantastic. Um, talk about the process. So if I, first, if, let's just say I'm an employer and, or a broker consultant, and we're looking at, again, cost controls and transparency and working with our, empl with our employees, how do we go about implementing Empower? Let's talk about first the implementation and then what happens afterwards. Sure. So an employer is able to engage Empower to both um, run the a virtual clinic overlay as well as a, a care management program. And those two things um, become the intake and ingestion point for patients into our system. We very quickly get them to uh, to our virtual clinic, which is an intake and triage and helps point that patient in the right direction for their care plan. So not all patients need to go straight to a surgeon, but in certain situations, there should be a fast track to get there. But there should also be a pathway toward getting to home exercise if necessary. Uh, and, and there should be a pathway to treating pain. There should also be a pathway to treating disease states, which may be osteoporosis or, or diabetes. I think an interesting statistic, out of patients that have had either a hip or a knee surgery, 60% of those patients have one chronic condition, and 33% of those patients have two chronic conditions. So these things seem to run in packs, and if we're treating one, we end up coming across some of those other categories at the same time. I like when you talk about that total care management. So we use other things. We use zero card to get surgery pricing. Um, they don't really look at the quality, but it's just a pricing negotiated network. Um, I know for my own, when I had my knee surgery a year ago, a little over a year ago, I used Hinge Health for my physical therapy, which was fantastic. But it sounds like you have all those pieces under one roof, basically. We do. And and the the medical neighborhood, you, you had asked earlier about how we built that network. And it, it was through re relationships and through word of mouth referrals and growing that business. But it's also an inclusive network that's meant to support the independent practitioners. We believe that the independents provide the greatest value in the marketplace. They go to the lower cost facilities because those haven't been aggregated and negotiated uh, at, at scale against the marketplace. So, you know, independent ASCs partnered with independent practices, partnered with um, many of the independent uh, ancillary services along the way, and then backstopped against quality, provide us the ability to pass along great value to the end user, to employers, brokers, and, and TPAs. So if we introduce it to one of our clients, which we're talking about now, we bring it into our client. They are going to basically, how, do, how does the employee get to you? What's the, how does that build out on the inside? So the employer stands up a program where they are encouraging their team to, um, to start their orthopedic care journey with us. It's a simple scanning of a QR code. We can, you can enroll online. You can call a scheduling number. But that creates a very easy, de facto, upfront, virtual um, meeting in the first 24 hours. So very quick connectivity to a care provider. And then we're able to understand what those issues are and point them on one of, one of five different tracks. Those five different tracks um, I think end up 
shifting the cost curve continuum and end up reducing the amount of unnecessary high expense diagnostics that are done in certain uh, in certain injuries. Okay. Um, and then, so once the employees engages you, you guys handle that whole care process, walk them through and take care of those pieces. T- typically then from a billing perspective, let's just say I decide I'm going to go and get, um, I don't know, we were talking about earlier, the rhizotomy, have spot on my spine, $15,000. Do you bill the employer for this as they run through the insurance? So how does that work? So this becomes a, a carve out within the health plan. So this is billed direct to the employer. And I think part of the the savings here is removing the administrative costs uh, out of the what we were providing. So um, pulling some of those admin costs out, being able to directly connect with the employer provides part of the savings. And the other part of that savings is the alignment to the the right facilities, the right care providers. And and those two things can add up to really significant cost savings up to 40% in a, a surgical episode. I think we always talk about the right care at the right price at the right time. Right. And so that you're definitely hitting on that. I think that cost savings comes in big because one of the, you know, we always, in these kind of programs, how do we get the employee to engage? Mm-hmm. And when an employer is saving 40%, they can look at the employee and say, hey, if you call in and decide to use this service, we can waive your deductible. We can waive your out-of-pocket for that procedure because, again, the employer is saving 40%. Absolutely. Yeah, so there becomes you know a real meaningful carrot that can be used through the employer. But the other part of that is is real patient engagement and convenience for the patient. So once we get them engaged, I, I think we are reaching out to them when it's convenient for the patient to check up and make sure that care plan is being followed. And the, the real opportunities even downstream of that surgical event are how we reduce uh, ER visits, how we reduce readmissions, and those things, you know, we, we see on the back end of orthopedic procedures, concerns around infection and, and issues with pain control, uh, and those really require access. A lot of orthopedic practices today don't have the ability for around-the-clock support, so if you call in at, at 515, you're directed via a voicemail to call either the the either visit an ER or um, or, or uh, call a, a teledoc service. We feel like this offering really is an extension of the practices. It, it creates a medical center home around musculoskeletal and helps point patients on a, um, on a, a more proactive uh, population health track as opposed to a, a very specific acute track that is high cost in, in most scenarios. Well, I like the controlling and the proactive side because we know musculoskeletal, not only is it expensive, but typically if it's not done well and you don't have that constant care, it just happens over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, we've got, I know for a fact, we've got plans where people are same procedures over and over again with, with no better results. Sure. Time. So having that, I think a true, you, you sound like a, you're a true partner with the, not only the employer, but really the employee, make sure they get that, the proper care. Yes. And bringing wellness online later this year, I think diet, exercise, and flexibility really sit at the core of most orthopedic problems. We have solved uh, or are in 
have made major strides with heart disease. We've made major strides with cancer. And so our patient population is aging. They're living longer, but our bone and joint health is not extending. Our bones last a certain amount of time. And if we don't take care of those, our, our joints and our bones, then they'll deteriorate. And so these orthopedic procedures are something I think will continue to be a, a rising incidence with a rising population. And we've got to find ways to treat that through population health in addition to the, the acute surgical episode. What pushback do you get from employees? If they call in, they scan the QR code, they call in, they, I'm going to have a rhizotomy, I'm going to have something done or some type of surgery. What, what questions do you get from the employees and what, you know, what kind of pushback or what do you hear? Usually, I think employees' first concern is that an employer is, is constraining access. And so being able to address that in terms of talking about quality and providing multiple touch points within given markets, I think is important for patients to know I, I'm not being pigeonholed to see a specific provider that I still have choice within a realm. And then the other part of that is is the carrot. The, the incentives to go down that pathway as well are really important. Yeah, I think you're really, I mean, we hear this a lot of the constraining access and we tell the employee, we're not constraining the access. You know, we always say, this is America, you have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can go this path and save a bunch of money and get a higher quality care that's, that we know is high quality. Or you go this path, pay more. And they look, well, and it's funny to see where they say, well, I'm looking at my Blue Cross network and this doctor has four stars. Where do those stars come from? They're people just, you know, if you have four stars out of 20 people that left the review that he was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's look at a true quality of care on outcomes and malpractice and yeah, how does he do it? That surgery, he might be really good at knee surgery, but really bad at spinal. Yeah, and and looking at that qualities. Yeah, I I think in America we still are still have a, a long way to go when it comes to transparency and consumerism. Really understanding what quality is, and so today, I, I believe our consumers anchor on marketing, overall marketing, but don't have great access to easy to understand data, and that's something that. We continue to to uh, strive to put out not only for our customers but for patients as well to understand what is the the quality of those surgeons and it that's ultimately what we should how we should be picking our patients is through value and quality or picking our surgeons. Sorry, no, I love I love that. I think that's exactly yeah, value and quality. It's where it needs to go. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little about the company because um, I know your wife works for you. I think she's COO. Yes. Uh, you mentioned something earlier about her and your chief medical officer. They're doing some podcasts and speaking on some stuff right now. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So I think they're really approaching um, the No Surprises Act and trying to educate the market as to what is fair and reasonable. So this is a concept that has uh, continued to come up in our or our organization, one of our first service lines was traditionally all out of network. And while we endeavored to get in network, the insurance companies really had had no interest in allowing us in network. So it, it really started this pathway of understanding what is what is fair and reasonable and how do we ensure that on cases? Because a lot of times we find that the insurance company will pay us way too much on one claim and way too little on the next claim. And we have to average those things together to figure out what our 
what our sustainable payment is. But we're not paying the sustainable payment. We're paying too much in certain situations, riding on the backs of large employers, and then we're paying too little in other situations, which isn't sustainable for healthcare. So how do we hone in on reasonable rates? And I, I think that has ended up creating the foundation for how we price out uh, our prospective bundles. Um, that that concept ingrained into how does that span all of healthcare, regardless of what a a um, an insurance company says a payment should be, what is the, the fair amount for that payment? Not too much and not too little, I, I think, is where that shakes out. Ala has spent a lot of time uh, focusing in that area and trying to educate and making sure providers understand, ultimately, this becomes an access to care issue. And if providers are not able to receive sustainable payments that cover their cost of overhead, then we lose that access to care. And the pricing actually gets ratcheted up because these providers get bought out by large systems and other folks that are able to negotiate um, premium dollars for care. I know we, I have a flu uh, a vaccination company and we do, we do flu shots for corporations and things like that. And so it's interesting what you said, we would watch, especially with insurance and networks, Edna's given us a $30 reimbursement for a flu shot and Cigna's given us 120. And it was always that balance and middle. Can we get to that middle ground, which was always seemed to be like Blue Cross. <laughs> they were 60 to 80, but it was seeing that difference in the reimbursement for the same procedure. Yeah. Um, did you get any, so for doctors and physicians and so on that providers that were maybe getting a little bit more of a reimbursement versus the lower ones, you know, lower ones are going to say, yeah, I'll take a little bit more money. Sure. But did they push back saying, hey, you know what? We still want to get that higher level. And yeah, I, I think there's always a push for physicians to try and maximize their collection on a given claim. What we've tried to do is create a methodology that there is a consistent payment more so than a maximized payment. How do we drive healthcare to whether you're in or out of network to a, a transparent methodology for what a fair price is for that service? And that's ultimately, I think, what all of us are after as consumers. It's what I'm looking for in order to price my own orthopedic surgeries. What is a fair price for each of these different components? And then how do you assemble those? I think that's assembling those bundles for the average consumer is, is not an easy task. So that's where we come in. We've been able to parlay our relationships and the, the downstream care providers using data to integrate with groups. We're able to see all of those different care pathways and those care partners and then to dissect quality out of that uh, to make sure that we're referring to the right partners, but that we understand what that cost profile looks like as well. well I think the bundling is so important because we hear it all the time. So me as a surgery, they said, okay, well, here's a facility fee, surgeon fee, physician fee. I've got the anesthesiologist and you know, these bills keep coming in. You think you're all done and you get more bills. And when you can say, hey, it is $15,000 all in, everything's bundled into this package. It makes it very easy for the employee, the employer, and it's a very simple process. So I really like that you're doing that because yeah. it does simplify everything. And, and we've been able to dissect that for spine. And, you know, I think even at a payer level, Blue Cross, uh, I mean, um, CMS performed a BPCI, which was a type of, of bundle, but it ended up being 
a race to the bottom for providers because they were competing against themselves year over year over year. And you can only whittle so much off of off of the bone uh, by year three and year four when you're competing against yourself. We really try and set our providers up for success by having them compete against the marketplace. We talk about savings through our group versus the the uh, the pricing that you would achieve in the exact same market. So that encourages physicians uh, that are in the network to to stay there because the more volume that comes to them, the more that uh, average shifts down, but it's not a competition against themselves. And as long as they create a value differential versus a large health system in their given marketplace, employers are continued to steer more and more work that direction. I love this. I mean, this is giving us all the things we're looking for, the high quality care, that full care management package all the way along the process. Um, and then we're getting that price control and transparency. And I think it's fantastic. Um, how do how do employers or benefit consultants, et cetera, get a hold of you guys to start looking at implementing this into their self-funded health plan? Sure. I, I think there's a, a few ways. I, I uh, can be reached at, at scott.laroque at empowerhealth.com. I think our website, empowerhealth.com, has quite a few resources when it comes to uh, benefits, uh, benefits brokers, TPAs. We have uh, a landing page for patients as well. Uh, we have a, a pricing module that is available so that you can go and look up pricing for different surgeries uh, on our website. So if you have a question about whether you're um, one of your employees is having a procedure and whether that amount is reasonable, we can do second opinions on those patients as well and, and send those through the network. Uh, so a myriad of ways to get a hold of us. And I, I think we've got a, a team ready to respond. Well, no, you guys, yeah, I Jessica showed me, you got great marketing material that really outline everything that you have or I'll lay it all. So, um, well, I appreciate you coming in. This is fantastic. Um, I know for a fact, you know, MSK is a huge uh, cost and usually it's an ongoing repetitive cost within a health plan. So when you can start getting a good care management around that, um, exactly what Empower is doing, I uh, highly recommend you guys looking into it. Um, if you're one of our clients, we'll be bringing this to you as well. Um, but I want to thank Scott for coming in. This has been awesome having you here. And uh, now we'll close out. Thank you, everybody. And uh, let's hear a few words from our sponsors and supporters. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsors and supporters. 33 Inc., helping your brand grow with custom screen printing, embroidery, and merchandising solutions. Smart Business Concepts, providing financial services to drive profitability, scalability, and flexibility of your company. And Texas CEO Magazine, informing and educating business leaders across Texas since 2010. As business leaders, we all know that healthcare is expensive. In fact, it's one of the top five expenses in most companies. The decisions you make or don't make in your healthcare plan can have financial repercussions down the road, but not all is lost. There are ways to take charge and get your employees the best possible care, all while reducing overall costs for us as employers and employees too. Get your copy of Life and Death Decisions in the C-Suite, where Dan Lebrod and his colleagues pull back the curtain and address how the private healthcare system and health insurance industry have plagued businesses for decades. What you'll discover will empower you to take back control over your health insurance costs 
that could mean massive savings for your company while giving your employees better quality health care. Get your free copy now at the link below or using the QR code provided. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.